In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading, which you've already heard. You may be seated. Sometimes it becomes rather painfully aware of how unconcerned with marketing the church of our Lord Jesus Christ actually is. Our new year begins on whichever Sunday the first Sunday of Advent begins, which means that it's not really necessarily tied to a specific and nice and tidy date like January 1st. We definitely don't celebrate Christmas like the world does. They started singing Christmas songs way back in the beginning of November with Christmas music on the radio, and they finished up their celebrations already. In the church, we started on Christmas Eve, and we're still going. We'll go until Epiphany on Friday. But most glaringly, our holidays probably seem really weird to those who are outside of the church. The death of our Lord Jesus is a huge deal for us, for instance. Jesus ascending into heaven, which always happens on a Thursday, by the way, is huge. And today, on what the world celebrates as New Year's Day, we mark the naming and circumcision of Jesus, not necessarily the dawning of a new year. But fortunately for us, Jesus is far more concerned with seeking and saving the lost than he is with a slick marketing campaign. So, there are two things that we will meditate briefly on today. First is the significance of Jesus' circumcision, and then second, the meaning of his name. So first, why is Jesus' circumcision significant for us today? As you may recall from the Old Testament, God commanded Abraham way back in Genesis and all the males in his household and all of his descendants after him to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant between God and the people of Israel. It was the mark in their flesh that from their lineage the Christ would come. Every male descendant of Abraham would see this mark in his flesh and be reminded of the promise of the coming of the Savior. Any who were not circumcised, God tells us, were to be considered cut off from that promise. So when Jesus is circumcised, something new happens. He is the fulfillment of of that promise that God made to Abraham when he made this covenant of circumcision back in Genesis. So when he was circumcised, he fulfills the law's requirements of circumcision. So St. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2 that the Old Testament ceremonies like the sacrifices, Sabbath observances, dietary requirements, and yes, of course, circumcision, are all shadows of the thing that is to come, that point us to the real substance that is the coming of our Savior Jesus. All of those things served as reminders for God's people that the promises one day would be fulfilled, and when Jesus came, all of those things came to fruition in him. This is why, by the way, we're no longer required to keep 
the divine law regarding things like dietary laws and circumcision. Those things belong to the Old Covenant and are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The point here is that Jesus already begins at eight days old to fulfill God's law for us already as a little child. His whole purpose for coming into the world begins already, as we sang in the last hymn, as he shed his infant blood for us in accordance with the law of God. Now, you've heard me talk about this distinction before, the active and passive obedience of Jesus. In order for Jesus to be our Savior, Jesus must do everything that the law requires of him. If he does not fulfill it for us, it will be required of us. But Jesus does the whole will and law of God, even as an infant. And so, in being circumcised, this is Jesus' active obedience. He is doing what the law has required of him. But Jesus also lets the law do to him what it should do to us. We have not kept God's law perfectly, which is why he came into the world in the first place. He came to rescue us from the punishment of sin and death that we have brought upon ourselves. He takes on what we have deserved as a result of our rebellion against God, namely our death. He sheds his first blood for us here on the eighth day after his birth. Jesus is already taking on the curse of our sin. This is his passive obedience as he sheds his blood for us. And so... As Jesus fulfills the law, he also fulfills it now in us, his people. St. Paul, again, writes in Colossians chapter 2. In him, you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You, you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, are baptized into the circumcision of Jesus. You are baptized into the death of Jesus. You are baptized into the active and the passive obedience of Jesus. Jesus has already accomplished everything necessary for your salvation, including the law of circumcision. And your baptism into Christ not only gives you credit for Jesus' obedience, but it is now the new sign of the covenant between you and God who is in heaven. This is why it is so apropos for us to have the font right in front of our eyes every single week. It is a reminder of what God has done for us. He has promised to save you by the bloody death of his son. And baptism now has buried you into the wounds of your Savior. So then, this leads us quite naturally into the significance then of Jesus' name. As we learn from the Old Testament, God's name is how he reveals himself 
like when God reveals his name to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, but it's also a revelation of his saving purpose. In that account in Exodus 3, God says, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. So we see there, as God first reveals his name to Moses, he also reveals his saving purpose for his people. In the same way, when the angel visited Joseph to reveal God's saving plan in sending Christ to be born of his betrothed Mary, he told Joseph exactly what the child's name would be. And this was our Alleluia verse today. She will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus' name, which means Yahweh saves, reveals God's true identity as the one who saves his people from their sins. This is why Jesus' name figures so prominently into the piety of the church. What generations of Israelites so longed to know and to see, prefigured through the prophets and the kings, the sacrifices and circumcision, through Joseph, Joseph and Mary are finally given the one to hold in their arms and to give him this name, this name Jesus, which means God saves. Their Savior and ours is named Jesus, the one who saves his people, that is, saves us from our sins. And we today have the joy and the privilege of calling upon our God by his name. Jesus tells us, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus, using what Jesus says in the context of this text, we understand this to mean that we ask things of him in prayer as faith, in our, as our Savior. But consider this. We actually know the personal name of the one who is sitting on the throne in heaven. And we speak directly to him every single time we pray. We don't need to invoke saints or angels, but we speak directly to Jesus by name. What a marvelous gift that we have been given. Dear saints, the church is definitely odd in the eyes of the world to be concerned about the circumcision and the name of Jesus on a day like today. But it is by Jesus' keeping of God's law and the shedding of his blood that he becomes our savior from sin and death, that he really does become a Jesus, one who saves his people from their sins for you and for me. In Jesus' name.
And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.